There's some advantages to having Christmas on a Sunday. One, as a priest, you, you know, it's not another extra thing during the week. Uh, but um, as far as pastors go, you also lose a collection, you know, having Christmas on a Sunday. And then, for example, with having Christmas on a Sunday, uh, we celebrate the Holy Family today on a normal weekday with, you know, 20 of you or so here instead of on a Sunday. And uh, the Feast of the Holy Family is such a, a beautiful feast that it's, um, it's too bad it's not on a Sunday and when more of us can truly appreciate uh, this great feast. Um, and having the Feast of the Holy Family is just the way of the Lord through his church showing us how important the family is. And it can't just be a coincidence, you know, the, how important the family is, the connections um, we see in society, the, and I would say most importantly, the connection that we see with uh, the Trinity. The family is an icon of the Blessed Trinity. The family is a sacrament, right? A sacrament is an outward sign of something invisible. It's a sign of the Blessed Trinity. Blessed Trinity is the Father and the Son. And the love between the Father and the Son is so real, it's another divine person, the Holy Spirit. The love between the Father and the Son. And we look at a family... You have mom, dad, husband, wife. The love between them, so real, that nine months later, you have to give that love a name. It's another person. A family here on earth is an icon of the Blessed Trinity, a sacrament, a sign of the Blessed Trinity. We're supposed to see in the family, in a sense, be able to raise our minds and consider the Blessed Trinity. Trinity. And so it is no coincidence um, that things, that the Lord set things up this way, um, how important the family is. It is truly the case, as catechism teaches, our church teaches, you know, as a family goes, so, so does society. The family is the basic building block of society. There's a study done by, in 1947, by uh, Carl Zimmerman. He's a Harvard professor, and his book was called Family and Civilization. And in his book, he was able to distinguish basically three different types of families, three different family structures, and depending on which family structure which family type was most prevalent in the society, you could know a lot about the society. The society was either growing, being strong, or it was not growing. It was deteriorating. And so there's three types of families. I'll just briefly bring us through these. Um, the three types is the trustee family, the domestic family, and the atomistic family. The trustee family is the family that includes its ancestors, the present living family members, and those yet to be born. They consider the family as, you know, multi-generational. 
Um, it's trustee because why? Because the living members are trustees of what has been given to it and called to continue to pass that on, whether that's its values, religious beliefs, its rights, its blood, its property, its name, its responsibilities. The duty of the present members of this family is to preserve, protect, and to pass on the future generations what they consider as properly belonging to that family. The trustee family considers itself united by a sacred bond to its ancestors as well to its future descendants who will perpetuate the family name and honor. The trustee family considers children to be a divine blessing. The father and mother are treated with great respect as the patriarch and matriarch who serves the ancestors as well as the offspring. In the trustee family, sexual immorality is considered a sin against the family, and marriage is considered a covenant. So that's the trustee family. Now we can consider the domestic family, which is kind of the, the middle point between the trustee family and the atomistic family. The domestic family limits its members to the living, the children of a father and a mother, united as husband and wife in a marital bond. The family members have individual rights, but also family duties. Children are considered an indispensable economic agent, and the father is conceived as a chief executive of the family. And in this family structure, sexual immorality is considered an individual sin, and the marriage bond is more of a contract. Okay, so you can see a little difference between the trustee and the domestic family. And then finally, you have the domestic, or sorry, the atomistic family. And the atomistic family emphasizes individual rights over duties. The children consider the household as a place from which to escape. Right? They just want to get, become 18 and get out away, go on with their, their life. Children are considered a liability and an obstacle to personal fulfillment. The father is viewed as kind of a pathetic figure that must be left behind in order for an individual to grow and to become, reach its potential. And in this family, sexual immorality is considered a private matter and an alternative lifestyle a society in which the atomistic family model predominates, has a high rate of divorce, negative population growth, pervasive sexual immorality, and marriage is just seen as kind of a convenient means of companionship. So I hope you can kind of see that. And in his study, he noticed that societies that had mainly trustee model families, they grew, they flourished, they did well, right? Whereas, on the other hand, when you had primarily atomistic-type families, um, those societies uh, didn't do that well. I think if we look at our communities, we look even in the church and in the world, we see more and more of the atomistic um, family. And that's unfortunate. And we see we're reaping the consequences of that. Sister Lucia... Um, of the three children visited by Our Lady of Fatima, said the final battle between God and Satan will be over the family. 
And we see even the whole point of like communism, right, is to eliminate the family. All you see is the individual and the state. Get rid of the family. It's just the individual and the state. Individuals making up the state. Whereas we see like, no, there's an intermediate institution that God gave us between the individual and the state, and that is the family. Um, in my life as a priest, um, my studies, I was able to study a year at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family Studies in Rome. Um, my life as a pastor for almost 10 years now as a priest. But even more importantly, growing up in a family, you know, I've just realized how true it is, how important the family is. Um, and I, I truly believe that if the Lord does give us time to rebuild his kingdom, it's going to be through the family. It's going to be slowly by slowly. Families with kids, those kids getting into holy marriages, having more kids, and growth that way, slowly by slowly. And um, so that's the beautiful thing I see happening at our parish here at Queen of Peace, is families, and please God, um, those children marrying well, um, other good Catholics, and continuing in that way. So we can have many of these kind of trustee families. But I always like to say that no matter what, whether whatever form our family is or was and is now, is that every family can truly be a holy family. Holy means to be set apart. It means belong to God, consecrated to God. And no matter where we are in our life now, we can choose to consecrate our families, um, to have them belong to the Lord, to have God, Jesus, as King of our families. That's why enthronement is so important. The enthronement of the sacred heart and the immaculate heart in our homes is so important. And so um, today we look to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as uh, the model of the family, but also realizing they're interceding for us. They're praying for us, for you, for, for all your families, and help this feast and their intercession and, and knowing all these things just motivate us and challenge us to make the right choices, to sacrifice for our families so that they can truly become more and more holy. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.